Thanks. So let me have your attention for a moment. So you're talking about what? You're talking about bitching about that sale you shot, some son of a bitch that doesn't want to buy, somebody that doesn't want what you're selling, some broad you're trying to screw, and so forth. Let's talk about something important. Are they all here, Howard? Okay, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Mark, put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. You think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. Anyway, so that's one of my favorite uh, openings. <clears throat> Some people open with a joke. That's uh, that's Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And the reason why I did that is because it's going to be something important that I'll bring up in a few minutes. Anyway, I'm Mike, an alcoholic, and um, <clears throat> pleased to be here. And uh, uh, thanks, Howard, for, for asking me. All my uh, Tusnua friends and all my Tus Olda friends are here, so good shit. And, um, uh, you know, I was thinking, because, uh, you know, I could tell what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. That's a thing um, people do. Or sort of where I'm at lately, whatever. You know, that's, I think I'll do a little bit of a mixture. And, and the theme is going to be, uh, to thine own self be true. So um, I think that from when I was a young person, I was not... Uh, satisfied or content or comfortable in my own skin. Um, probably some of the messages I may have got from growing up, my, my upbringing wasn't really that bad compared to a lot of folks. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> it's all relative. You know, we're all sort of, uh, you know, psychic warriors, psychic victims and, and all that kind of stuff. So wherever, wherever, you know, one wants to put one's self on that, um, you know, for me, um, I basically would just say I was sensitive, you know, I was a sensitive young fella growing up and, um, I was looking externally. I somehow got the message that everything, um, that everything of value is external and that I had to seek. Um, and, and I think, you know, that might be, <clears throat> you know, we grow up, we, we don't have a whole lot of imprint <clears throat> so that's probably probably normal but there's at some point in time you know where that sort of switches um and that didn't happen for me for many 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 years and i got sidetracked by a thing called alcoholism and drugs and stuff like that so um <clears throat> you know growing up kind of like a secular jew uh, in buffalo new york for the most part it was a nice uh, upbringing. <clears throat> My parents did the best they could. You know, they uh, they were kind of from the old country, so to speak. You know, in Europe, and uh, they had uh, certain fears that uh, that they operated by. Some having to do with the depression, probably. You know, not unusual. And um, but uh, um, I had a sister, or have a sister. Her name is uh, Jody, <clears throat> and um, I spoke to her uh, just the other day, as a matter of fact. She's a good kid, um, bit of a drama queen though. You know that's her thing, and that's what she does. And you know it's part of the whole codependent thing that the dysfunctional family that she chooses to get involved with. I feel bad for her because she kind of knows there's a there's other options, but <clears throat> obviously there's some payoff. That stuff we all know. Anyway, more about that uh, in a few minutes probably. So uh, I took alcohol. Um, for the first time when I was a, a teenager, um, or maybe a preteen, it was probably a, a Seder, um, 
or bar mitzvah or something like that. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and it made me feel warm and, uh, and googly. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, but I didn't think of it in terms of a solution or anything like that. It was just interesting. <clears throat> I hung out with people who I thought were cool. You know, I was not cool. That was, the, that was my feeling inside. And um, I, I sought that, uh, again, the external. I remember thinking in, in middle school that, like, there's a table where the cool kids are sitting. And I literally wondered if I was cool enough to actually sit there, uh, even though I was friends with a couple of them, or whether it would be a situation where, because of the politics between friends and who's cool amongst them, that they might say, you know, get the fuck out of here, Mike, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> you know, and so that was a real thing, you know, debating those kinds of things, whether I was cool enough to roll my sleeves up on my t-shirt, um, walking down the hallway or whether people would laugh at me, you know, those sort of things. Um, but that's, you know, I think that's pretty typical too, um, for kids growing up. Anyway, um, when I, uh, I started smoking pot and, and that was a, a decision I made, I was pissed off at my dad and, um, uh, I had withheld the peer pressure for doing that kind of thing for a long time for longer than anybody else that I knew for the most part in a certain crowd but uh, I succumbed and it unlocked some kind of a thing in my brain that made everything okay so that was it for me <clears throat> and I became a zealot for dope um, and dopey things um, it was just like anything I got into, whether it was collecting beer cans, mad magazines, comic books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get into it, I'm into it. And um, so it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing for a little while. Within a few months, I was taking a, a driver's test um, or a course to, to, for, to get my driver's license. So this is, I just turned you know, 16 basically. And uh, <clears throat> this is within a couple of months of, of the world of dope opened up to me. And my, uh, my dad dropped me off at Friendly's Ice Cream because I said, you know, I'm going to meet with the guys and um, we're going to hang out um, before we go over to, uh, to where the course is being taken. But what I did was I wanted to smoke a joint. I wasn't meeting anybody because those guys didn't smoke yet. <clears throat> um, they were the straight ones, you know, still friends of mine from, from before the, the, the dope cloud. And, but my dad, wise in his way, followed me and he saw me smoking a joint by myself and so later on when i came back <clears throat> you know he was like what are you doing you know and i'm like uh fuck um i was so scared that i said yes <clears throat> i have i don't know it was a dime bag or something like that and yes he flushed it down the toilet yes i i admitted i had it i didn't have to but i did i was scared shitless and you know it could have ended there it could have been the kind of thing where like you know what <clears throat> i don't want to deal with that stuff but it didn't you know, it went on for, for a number of years after that. Um, alcohol made its way in mainly because it had to do with being uh, cheaper, legal, and stuff like that. Um, ubiquitous, other words like that. And somehow the, the warmth and the glow of that took over. Um, you know, pot was still around, other drugs, all kinds of things. Um, a lot of, lot of uh, Valium. Um, <clears throat> mother's little helpers and stuff from my cousin and his, his mom in the suburbs, you know, that was our thing, high school and, um, and tripping, a lot of tripping, a lot of, lot of, lot of psychedelics, 
that opened my mind up. There was a lot of interesting, interesting aspects about that. Maybe I'll touch on that as well. They were helpful to me in my attitude towards life and, and in my recovery now, though I, <clears throat> I don't have the need to do them, nor would I have the need to do them. I did what I did and I learned what I learned and it was, it was helpful to me. Um, you know, when I look back on all the things that I did and the times I got arrested and, and places I was and, you know, I got shot, um, I was in the Navy for nine months, I got kicked out, you know, this is, here's the scrunching it up. There was a lot of shit that happened in just a few short years that mainly had to do with me being in certain places at certain times that by being a, a, a drinker, smoker and tripper, that's the kind of shit that happens. And, you know, some of it was traumatic. And, uh, you know, I was with people who, you know, uh, you know, were not really all that high on the ethical scale. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, myself included. I mean, I think that like a lot of us, I was high up on the ethical scale. <laughs> but as time went on, um, that's sort of like my grades in, in high school and everything else that just sort of went down. I was hanging out with inferiors and I kept hanging out with inferiors until there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, inferiors left around, you know, to hang around with. Um, <clears throat> a few things happened until, you know, I was acquainted with AA. Mm, took a few years before it, you know, it, it took. When I, when I was in the Navy, though, you know, that enough shit happened there that I, I got into AA a little bit here, ant abuse and stuff like that. But um, anyway, it came about to uh, January of 88 was is my sobriety date, January 18th. And um, so that's when it took. That's when I got enthusiastic about it. You know, I had a little short stint for a couple months the prior year after getting kicked out of the Navy, but then I met a girl and, well, you know, I didn't know how to be with a girl and, and not, <clears throat> you know, have a couple of drinks in me, so there's that. Anyway, that ended. She kicked my ass out. That's the kind of stuff that happens, um, you know, sober or not, for me. <laughs> anyway, good stuff. So, uh, um, and, uh, but it, but it, it, it kick-started my sobriety, so there's the good thing. Um, I was enthusiastic this time. I had, I was ready to try anything. And I did it in the conventional way. I wasn't a believer when I came in, but I wasn't unfriendly to the idea. So that was all, you know, that was the only game in town as far as I knew. And that's what I did. <clears throat> and it was kind of a sort of a watered down, wishy-washy, new age, hippie type, uh, you know, Emmett Fox type of God that I was dealing with, metaphysical stuff, you know, science of mind, you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. Served me well for several years. Did a lot of, did a lot of interesting uh, things and went to a rehab after a year sober and worked on codependency and got into all those books and meetings and stuff like that. Uh, a little bit of Al-Anon, you know, these things that, you know, the theme was that my, my sobriety <clears throat> was larger than just AA, you know, my recovery was larger than just my sobriety, let me put it that way. I don't know if I thought about it then, you know, whether I was trying to self-actualize or what was going on. Um, anyway, to thine own self be true was a, was a slogan that was, you know, heard. And, you know, it's interesting because <clears throat> you get to, there's a bit of a, of a disconnect between, on the one hand, you come in and, and what you hear is um, your ego will 
kill you, is trying to hurt you, um, you're, you've got stinking thinking and all that kind of thing, you can't trust yourself, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think we all sort of feel, I don't know, different degrees of that perhaps. I'll keep it to myself. To a certain degree, <clears throat> that was true for me. Um, and I think that the, the disconnect is the message that, that, that people put forth, especially in, in traditional or conventional or orthodox AA, <clears throat> that that never changes, you know, that it's always that way. And I can tell you from my experience, that is utter horseshit. Um, within a couple of years, my thinking got better. I started doing esteemable actions. My self-esteem increased. And I worked the steps in a, in a way that, that was described to me by a sponsor who didn't tell me to call him twice a day or any of that kind of thing. He was just a, an enthusiastic musician dude like me. We were on fire for recovery. <clears throat> and um, it was fun. And I hung out with a lot of people. We had a lot of great, deep philosophical discussions like we do now. And it was, it was fun. Um, and then, you know, life happened. I had a family, got, you know, had a gal and we got married and all that kind of thing in recovery. I had an AA wedding and it was wonderful. Um, all that stuff <clears throat> lasted a long time. And, uh, you know, got divorced a couple years ago. And I've, I've talked about this too. Julie and I, we're, we're pals, you know. Um, sometimes she has some weird shit going on, but she's got to work some shit out and that's fine, you know. But um, we're pals. This is the next step of our relationship. It's better that we don't live together and we just hang out from time to time. Um, <clears throat> because according to where she was at, me being my authentic self was actually hurting her. So, you know, according to her, she had to make some adjustments and all that. So here's where I'm getting into this, this thing about uh, to thine own self be true. What does that mean to me today? Well, <clears throat> I guess I'll use that phrase self-actualization. Figuring out who I am, right? Yeah. What, is, what does that mean? Um, <clears throat> this, is, this is where I'm at now. So um, after uh, losing a child to suicide and getting divorced and not having to drink. And uh, Rachel, uh, she did that 11 years ago or so. Um, not having to drink. And I was a believer for a number of years. I actually went in down the born again Christian road. I tried that suit on and it was an interesting one. It wasn't as good as the, uh, as the new age hippie one though, I'll, I'll be honest with you, because it had more restrictions involved and more dogma. Um, and uh, more exclusivity. So it wasn't as appealing to me. <clears throat> and I have the good fortune to have not been indoctrinated or brought up into that, but have simply literally tried it on like a suit. I thought to myself, um, you know, I don't know what percentage of the planet, 20, 40%, whatever it is, it ain't as much as a lot of Christians think, but a large percent of the population goes for this shit. And I thought, either they're fucking insane or maybe they have something. So I thought, hmm. Let me give it a try. Gave it a try. Worked for a little while. And then it didn't. It's like a suit that stopped fitting me. And there's a <clears throat> there's a, a theme I like to come back to, you know, where my recovery and what works for me at different times, different. You know, what worked for me within, you know, the first two, three years, there's there's no way that would work for me now. It's it's a similar thing, but it's 
I don't know. There's more dimensions to it, maybe. I don't know. It's it's, but it's different. You know, there's different in enough ways that I that I say it's different. And the stuff that I'm spouting now, if I would have heard this, if me would have heard this when I was in my first two three years of sobriety, I would thought, the fuck is he talking about? I don't have a fucking idea what he's talking about. So you know, <clears throat> to to coin a Christian phrase, you know, when we have ears to hear, we you know we hear what we hear. It's not that we hear what we need to hear. I don't know. I don't believe that there's any main orchestrator. It's just that we hear what fucking makes sense to us. How's that? Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I was seeking externally. And one of the things that, and it's particularly this divorce came about, I got to a point where, you know what? I don't know shit. Everything that I thought about life and how I'm supposed to construct it around some sort of framework and all that kind of thing and figure out what it means and all that and seek this and seek that, that was like devastated. I said, you know, let me, let me pull back. Let me scale everything back. Let me start with what I know. Okay. I'm an alcoholic and I don't want to drink. <clears throat> That's about what I know. And let me reconstruct this whole thing from scratch a little bit at a time. And that's what I've done in the past, I guess, three or four years. You know, I've been an atheist and agnostic in AA for a number of years. Uh, I, I uh, typically go to the uh, We Agnostics Atlanta group. It's, it's the only one in town, really, that, I, that that's on the list anyway. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and so it's good stuff. Um, and so what I stopped doing was looking externally for all of those things. Um, there's guidelines, and I cling loosely to them, and I, I realize that I have to have some sort of methodology as I walk about the planet. I mean, I'm pretty close to being a dog and just sniffing somebody's ass and just do, going to the next thing. I'm pretty close to that because I'm in a time of my life where I can do that. I'm 58 years old. <clears throat> I'm divorced. You know, my remaining kid, Zach, is 28. He's doing great. He's an electrician, blah, blah, blah. I don't have shit to worry about. I'm a pasty white dude in a pasty white dude's world. You know, um, I got a 401 fucking K. I'm, I'm okay, right? Um, so I have the luxury now to think about all this shit and stuff like that, right? Um, I don't have to worry about the wolf at the door and the next paycheck and stuff like that. Um, so I'm very, I'm very fortunate. Um, <clears throat> but... Instead of seeking these external things, what I, what I do now is I look at anything that, that comes my way, um, whether it's, um, you know, any kind of societal <clears throat> construct, any kind of idea, and I, and, I, and I hold it in my hand and I look at it and I say, eh, does this make sense to me? Um, and if it doesn't, then I'm like, whatever. But not forever, you know? I may, I may pick it up again and say, yeah, you know what? This makes sense to me now. So I cling loosely to everything. And that <clears throat> serves me very well. Um, the one there was a great quote that I heard recently, and I've been saying it at a lot of meetings. Um, it's from Dylan, and it came from uh, I think it was the Rolling Thunder review movie that Scorsese um, did a couple years ago, and he said, Dylan, that uh, life is not about finding yourself or finding anything for that matter. Life is about creating yourself. And that is my theme of the month or maybe even the theme of the season for me. Because even, <clears throat> even after a while with emotional sobriety and working on my codependency and all that kind of thing and no longer seeking those external things, I still thought that there was a me that had to be found, 
which means in time, that means I'm not there yet. So I reject that notion. That's a fucking Western notion. I reject that motherfucker. Okay. I am me. That is who I am. So I'm being me. There is no me to find. The question is, what do I like to do? Oh, I like to eat fucking chicken wings. That's me. That's what I like to do. I like to play guitar. Because we've all heard that, that phrase, you know, if you want to you see what someone's all about, you want to know somebody, you know, don't pay attention to what comes out of their mouth. Watch what they do, okay? Watch what I fucking do. That's me. I can look back and watch what I do. That's me. There's no fucking magic there, right? There's nothing to seek. It's just for me to be. So, to the known self be true. That is the thing. That is what I'm trying to do. <clears throat> I am an autonomous person. I hang out with other autonomous people, which means that they're not beholden to external things to the best of their ability. We're all kind of trying to do the same kind of a thing. That's, that's what I try to do. I do not hang out with toxic people. You know, uh, I got a call from my sister the other day. That's why I talked to her. <clears throat> she was fucking insane because my mom fell, and she's in her upper 80s. And mom's a good egg. You know, she tries hard, but she's in a situation with my dad. And my dad's just afraid of everything. That's just his thing, you know. And he's hurting and all that. So anyway, mom fell. <clears throat> because nobody says anything, nobody does anything. It was like, you know, we're all stiff upper lip, whatever. She doesn't go to the hospital for like a week or so, you know. And she's got a couple of fractures or whatever, right? So then nobody nobody has enough strength because my sister has ovarian cancer. So she's on the couch, grossly overweight, but she can't do anything about it. And, and so, so it's up to my, my cousin or, or, or niece <clears throat> who, you know, anyway. So it's just a bunch of drama, everyone pointing fingers at each other. And how come you didn't call me back and all this kind of thing. And, and my sister's telling me this for like two fucking hours. And I'm like, you know what? I have compassion for my sister. God bless her, you know, to coin a phrase. She is doing the best that she can. Life is fucking hard. <clears throat> she doesn't have all the tools I've got. I have compassion for her. I listen. You know, I try to be helpful. That's fine. But there's, you know, I can't get into that shit. That is shit that is not mine to get into. It's just that simple. I don't give a fuck if they're my mom and dad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The reality is toxic people I do not hang out with. I am one man walking on this planet amongst a bunch of other folks. Um, my tribe, my people, my family, and, and I think largely because I was adopted, this is why it's easy for me to psychically go there, is whoever the fuck I want to be hanging around with at any given time. And that may change. And everything may change. And I may change. And I do change. I, I must change. I will change. It, it's, it's all changed. So this is... You know, this is where I'm at. <clears throat> I'm not clinging to anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a traveler, um, and uh, and watching, um, and interacting a little bit. But you know, there's things like shoulds. Mm, I don't do shoulds. You know, so it's got to make sense to me. Now, uh, there's some things I do, like uh, you know, I show up at work, you know, because I like to eat. You know, so there, there's some restrictions I, I'm going by. You know, certainly, but. I'm autonomous and, and it's my choice, et cetera. Uh, so that's where I'm at. And uh, so I'm going to finish, go, ba go back to the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross thing, which is a, a fine movie. And uh, A, B, C, A, always B, B, C, compassionate. Always be compassionate. OK, 
Okay. That is something that I try to do the best of my ability. Everybody is doing the best they can, or like uh, someone said yesterday, not necessarily doing the best they can. Maybe they're doing halfway the best I can. That's cool too, because I'm not. I'm not doing the best that I can most of the time. I say that, but I'm doing about 75% because I'm a lazy motherfucker, and that's okay. That is perfectly fine. So that's my thing. Mike, alcoholic, hopefully everyone has a great day today. Let's stay sober. Let's have fun. And uh, thank you, Howard, for uh, asking me to do this.